0: Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for Major Airlines and I bring you stories from airplanes, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Jesus and the Bandits. <laughs> I love that title. It's kind of like and the bandits but I love it seems much more fun with Jesus and the bandits. Actually this episode is inspired by a mile-high bandit. Actually there was a flight attendant arrested uh, for stealing from passengers while they were sleeping in business class. I have that story, along with quite a few other bandits. We've got the barefoot bandits, we've got some uh, wedding crashers, Uh, and then we have two very dramatic flying stories. One is a mid-air collision, and the other one at the end of the episode is actually a very scary in-flight incident where Jesus made an appearance. So we got uh, all kinds of fun stories about Jesus and the bandits. You know, in general, there aren't that many flight attendant bandits. So I guess when uh, there is one, it makes the news. And uh, this past month, an Air France stewardess has been accused of stealing cash and valuables from business class passengers on a 142 separate long-haul flights. It was going through people's bags when they sleep. Oh, goodness gracious. The airline employee is facing a 10-year prison sentence for plundering valuables from travelers while they slept on international flights from Paris to the Far East, according to a report. French Border Police launched an investigation for the mile-high thief after dozens of passengers reported the disappearance of money and various currency as well as luxury watches, jewels, checkbooks, and credit cards, stated the newspaper. The first report came in January 2010 when five passengers complained about losing a total of 4,000 euros during the flight. The suspect was finally identified six months later after police cross-checked the personnel on flights where thefts had been reported. Police say that the 47-year-old stewardess had confessed to 26 separate thefts. (laughs) But they believe that she's committed dozens more. Her bank accounts revealed a dizzying gap between her lifestyle and her tax revenues, a police spokesman told the newspaper. (laughs) Air France said, I'm sorry, I know it's not funny, but it's funny. Air France said it was only responsible for belongings checked in and stored in the hold. Anything stolen on board was a travel insurance matter. I mean, this, that, ah. She's stealing stuff from passengers on long-haul flights. That's terrible. But, you know, you could see how she could do it. You know, we go on crew rest on long-haul flights, so you only have half the crew awake. And uh, the passengers are all asleep, and she's going through their bags. It actually reminded me of another story, another bandit story on my own airline. It happened, uh, gosh, that was probably six years ago. This girl, she had um, she was one of our prettiest flight attendants. She had this long, beautiful blonde hair, this perfect figure. I guess the perfect figure came from the drugs, we found out later. And uh, she was married to a really nice-looking man with a young child. But apparently she had a drug problem, and she would steal from flight tenants' bags looking for pres- prescription drugs in their bags. And then she moved on to passenger bags. And actually a passenger on a flight told the lead flight attendant that that flight attendant over there is I saw her going through my bag and she apparently had stole prescription drugs. I don't know if it was like Vicodin, Oxycontin, those kind of things that people get addicted to. And the lead flight attendant, I actually knew her. She didn't know what to do. I mean, what a terrible situation to be put in here. You know, a passenger, a first class passenger, said that one of her flight attendants was going through her bag in the closet in first class. So she didn't know what to do. She conferred with the pilot and they eventually decided to have. We get drug tested and alcohol tested, have the drug testing people meet the flight, and then she refused to get tested. Um, So she left the premises, and that's actually what she got fired for. But I did remember uh, afterwards, we heard lots of stories, like her husband wouldn't give her any money on layovers because he was afraid she was going to find drugs, (laughs) buy drugs. And then actually, like two years later, three years later, a passenger came back to the galley, and he's like, "Uh, do you know my friend, blankety blank, (laughs) You know, she left a few years ago to spend more time with her family. (laughs) I'm thinking, oh yeah, she left uh, to go have quality time with her family. (laughs) So actually, I did know one stewardess bandit, but there aren't too many of them. So there's this guy, flight attendant, male, straight guy, flight attendant, older guy with some anger issues, obviously. He's always getting in fights with passengers. He's kind of like the angry hall monitor, you know, like... God forbid if you have, you know, more than your two bags or if you don't turn off your portable electronic devices, this guy will like scream at you. It's crazy. And then he can be really nice the rest of the time but he's got some, uh, he's really over-anxious and angry about the rules and anybody who doesn't follow them. And, you know, it's a problem when you have a flight attendant who's yelling at the passengers. So, one day they were at briefing and uh, the guy who was in charge of the flight was this nice, mild-mannered, very religious type with glasses. You don't ever expect him to come out with anything. But Adam, I not it's not his name, but the crazy, mean flight attendant, <laughs> he's always yelling at people, is in briefing, and this nice, mild-mannered flight attendant in charge says to him, Adam, I want you to lock yourself in the bathroom for boarding. I'm not kidding. I want you to lock yourself in the bathroom for boarding. I thought <laughs> that was the funniest thing. I don't know if he actually did it. He probably didn't. But the fact that he was telling him... <laughs> <laughs> that he so didn't want him to cause a fight with a passenger <laughs> that he wanted to lock himself in the bathroom for boarding. Classic. Yes. So what, you survived a mid-air collision? Yeah. You Thank see you. that so um,
1: nonchalantly. <laughs> well, it's been a long time now. It was 1978. Um a little over a year, just a little bit more than a year before I got out of the service. I was flying with an adversary squadron out of San Diego, California. I was um, taking out a a pair of uh, F-14 Tomcats uh, for uh, air-to-air combat. The incident occurred with with the first aircraft that I was engaged with, and uh, as a result... uh, So who hit who? His wing hit my tail. Uh, and uh, he about lost about nine feet of his wing outside of the aileron, and I lost my tail. Now, you
0: probably don't say that that often, huh? Okay. I lost my tail. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I like the fine tail, but not loose tail. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he was able to fly back and land at North Island uh, because, he, because he did have his ailerons. And uh, I was unable to... Um, uh, keep flying the uh, A4 at the time and punched out over the ocean.
0: So you ejected over the ocean.
1: Yes, about probably about 100. You know, initially it was about 100 miles out. I probably punched out was more like about out, 50 right? miles off the coast of uh, the Baja area around Southern California. See,
0: I find the ejection story is just amazing. That was the only time you ejected, right? That
1: was the only time I ejected, and um,
0: was it what you thought it would be?
1: It was yeah. It was uh, very interesting because of, uh, you know, following my ejection, because of the position I was in when the parachute opened, uh, the uh, the snap of the par- the parachute risers burned two uh, holes in my life preserver, and uh, so consequently they didn't hold any air. Uh, so, but I did have uh, the life raft in the seat pan of, uh, that we have attached to us as part of the ejection.
0: I find it's amazing what's all in that chair. Yeah.
1: And the life raft did not inflate, so I was able to climb into the one man life raft and wait there till the SAR helicopters came out and picked me up.
0: Now, were you hurt at all in that?
1: No. Thing? I think I hurt at all.
0: What were you thinking like when you went out of the airplane?
1: I hope I'm attached to this parachute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the music for this episode is actually a luau that I crashed on a layover last month. Um, I have this thing. I I enjoy crashing events on layovers. You know, we stay at expensive hotels, and lots of times they have events plans, weddings, showers, parties, luau's, and um, it's kind of a little challenge for myself. Uh, (laughs) I like to crash them. I actually bring a skirt. I find um, I don't look like someone who would do things wrong, and if you're dressed up a little bit. They never think you're doing anything wrong. So uh, I've crashed any number of things. My best crashing evening was in Maui. We were switching hotels, so we were staying at a hotel I had never stayed at before. In the interim, before we went to a new hotel, so I'd never been there before, and I thought, "Ooh, I can probably crash something on this layover." <laughs> the crew's like, "We're gonna meet downstairs," and I'm like, "I may meet you. I'm not sure." And they're kind of looking at me like, "What are you gonna do?" <laughs> But I was thinking, I'm going to try to crash something. So they were having a luau outside. And uh, I find with the luau is you can't crash for the whole dinner because they actually pay attention at the beginning of the event. But then later on, they don't seem to care. Nobody's watching who comes and goes, especially I get there, I usually go to the restroom and then come out because then when I come out of the restroom, it just looks like I've already been there, right? So then I go and sit down. (laughs) I've gone up and get drinks. I usually tip them really well because they don't really care as long as they're getting tipped, right? And uh, or I'll just... Just um, you know, listen to the entertainment. So that night, I crashed the luau. I had a couple of drinks. It was fun. I watched the uh, entertainment, which I'll be sharing some of that with you on this on this one that I just crashed. You can actually hear my foots my footsteps as I'm walking <laughs> to and from. I get a little ner- little nervous as I'm going in, of course. And then that same night, I tried to crash a wedding, um, but as it happens, often uh, I have to abort the mission like abort 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 because <laughs> I went walking up <laughs> it was all Asian people I can't crash that I stick out like a sore thumb so I had to abort I actually abort quite often I uh, basically it needs to be a white wedding <laughs> or, me- or a very mixed crowd it can't be ethnocentric or else I just can't crash but that same night uh, in Maui when I crashed a luau I also heard some music coming from down by the water and I was thinking oh, I wonder if they have another bar like closer to the water you know oceanfront bar. And uh, I got a little closer and I realized, no, it's a party. And it was some wealthy guy's birthday and they had like brought in motorcycles and had them up on platforms. I mean, it was a big party. And I walked up and it seems like the crashing works pretty well if uh, people are already bored with the people they have at their (laughs) event because these guys were like, hey, how you doing? Here's a drink. You want some dessert? (laughs) So I got to crash two things in one night. So that was a banner Crashing event. But like I was telling the crew the next day when I, uh, on this last month or when I crashed it, they're, they're like, well, how often do you do this? I'm like, well, it's not like some addiction or something. I've only done it maybe successful crashings, maybe a dozen times. But you know, it's fun. You should try it sometime. I'm in Kona and I'm about to try to crash a luau. And I'm going to bring you with me. I stopped because I saw some hotel workers. I'm going to wait a minute and still go to try to crash.
1: Good morning to you, and welcome to The Jim Inkster Show on 89.3. Betty Thesky is our guest. Uh, her book is Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, Hilarious Stories of Air Travel by the World's Favorite Flight Attendant. Who, who gave you that uh, I know that
0: title. I was, I'm afraid of the backlash. Surprisingly, <laughs> I haven't had as much backlash as I was expecting. It's because I have a podcast, and I have about... Uh... 650,000 listeners. And so basically, since nobody else really has any numbers to judge,
2: <laughs> and it's also like, you know,
0: <laughs> nobody can really contest, you know. And it's just like saying it's the world's mm. best pizza. So um, hopefully it's sort of tongue in cheek so I don't have to. I'm afraid I'm going to have a bad day and, you know, a, a, a co worker is going to be like, you ain't nobody's favorite. <laughs>
1: Eight seven seven two one seven five seven five seven for the enthusiastic Betty Desk.
0: So I'm sure most of you realized I didn't do a podcast in July. Sorry, you know, it has been, the airline industry is so crazy in the summer. And this summer, every single flight is jam-packed full. And unfortunately, that doesn't leave me a lot of downtime to be able to get stories from other people. So this podcast is going to be a lot of me, sorry. But uh, I'm hoping that maybe come September, things will settle down a little bit and I'll have more time on the flights to get stories from other people. Uh, the other reason why I couldn't get a podcast out last month is that I am contemplating a humongous move across the country. I might be moving to the beaches on the East Coast. So the market is so good right now. And there's all these foreclosures and prices are so low. And um, I don't own anything. I have this... um, (laughs) I have this goal that I'd really like to have my own washer and dryer at some point. I'm really tired of using quarters. And uh, the market is so low. It's not low here. I still can't afford anything here in California. So I am looking on the East Coast, South Carolina mainly. And uh, that involves a lot of flying over there, looking at property, figuring out mortgages. And all that stuff's really time consuming. So uh, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to do it. But uh, that's also taken me away from the podcast. So... Let's get back to the podcast. All right, so I'm on a flight, and it's the very first time since I've done the podcast that somebody on the plane has recognized my voice from the podcast.
1: Yes, uh, it's very. When you came over the loudspeaker, I had to ask the flight attendant, and I said, "Is that Betty?" And she goes from the blog. I said, "Well, the podcast." And yes, she goes, "Yes." <laughs> I love the voice.
0: We're the very first one. Well, I'm like feel- milestone.
1: I feel the privilege of meeting you finally. I had figured out that you work for this airline, okay. But when you su- said L.A. based, you—I was surprised. Yeah. You know, so 'cause. I was trying to throw you off. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, most people don't, but that's all right.
1: Yes, yeah, so I. You Just know, don't want to get in
0: trouble. That's all. I agree. I. But understand. anyway, it's exciting for me.
1: Yeah. But I love listening to you, and I appreciate the uh, time you and effort that you put in. <laughs>
2: okay uh, the the guy um it was that crew that flew intoxicated from oh, yeah. from uh what was it was a grand forks or fargo 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 How
0: long
2: ago was that? oh it had to be uh, like 15
1: so.
2: but from some 70. probably around 90, 96 um the the uh the captain on that um was a very colorful person, with, with, with doing many things before that. And he had a reputation. He had quite a reputation. In fact, he got called in the chief pilot's office so often that he had a lazy boy recliner ordered <laughs> and delivered to the chief pilot's office. As long as I'm going to be here, I might as well be comfortable. <laughs> and, and, That's funny. And, and I also heard that before we had all the electronic memos we yeah. have now, there was there a was the memo sheet and the, the vice it was vice president of operations, I think his name was Hawkburn. And so he, he'd have all these memos So when you came in to sign in and do your flight plan stuff, there was stuff there. And so from what I was told, I said not hand information, is that he stole a bunch of the letterhead paper. Yeah. And so he started making fake memos <laughs> and, so, and pretty soon he was getting real screwed up. And then the vice president put up this memo saying, you know, somebody stole a bunch of paper from paperhead paper head, or uh, letterhead paper, and they've been putting all these fake memos, so disregard all future memos. And then of course, Lyle put up no one saying, that m- previous memo is from a guy that was <laughs> <laughs> so So it was so chaotic they just canned the whole thing. <laughs> actually did work with him in, uh, I worked in, I was in training on the 727 as a second officer instructor. And after he'd come back from being in prison and everything, they, he was going through all the different seven, and he worked as a, not as a line check guy, but as an instructor, but he would just sit in the seat when they needed somebody to be right. a captain. And he was actually very sharp. He's a fantastic pilot, really, really good. And so we'd take a break and we'd walk into the break room and he'd go, hey, let me buy you a Coke. And he'd, he'd put a couple of quarters in the machine he goes, you know, two years ago, that was a day's wage for me. <laughs>
0: I just had um an article published on the street.com about traveling alone and you know it's a passion of mine it's something i really didn't know i could do until i started doing it and then then it turned out that i love it and actually the traveling alone has sort of like empowered me to do other things in my life you know other bold steps and um our friends over at amateur they have a ebook called the art of solo travel a girl's guide and you know i really think it's an important thing for people to try at least once. And um the art of solo travel is basically for solo women travel. And so can you. The art of solo travel is designed to help you practically plan your trip and help more women travel alone. I think you should check it out. It's a good ebook. And uh, don't forget about my book and ebook. <laughs> the numbers are going down. I've kind of lost some momentum. I haven't been doing as many radio interviews and stuff. Um, Maybe with the move, I got distracted also. So if you haven't, ordered my book you can get it on amazon.com you can get the ebook at smashwords.com you can go to my website and uh, there's a place if you want to get an autograph book i'll sign it for you and send it to you personally so if you haven't checked out my book betty in the sky with the suitcase uh check it out You gotta love this. Pet Airways is expanding their flight path. Not only is the fur flying, but now it's flying further than ever. Pet Airways, the world's first pet-only airline, has added more destinations to its coast-to-coast service. The expanded route four-legged path passengers not passengers passengers can wing their way to nine different cities at pet airways pets fly in the main cabin which is climate controlled with lots of fresh recirculating air and under the watchful eye of a pet attendant <laughs> instead of a flight attendant a pet attendant <sighs> says Dan Weisel who launched pet airways in 2009 passengers can now fly from Los Angeles Phoenix Denver Omaha Chicago Baltimore New York Atlanta and Fort Lauderdale that's crazy I got this story from Vicky, a listener in Canada. And she works for um a Canadian airline out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She said we have several connector airlines which come in at ground level. The planes are about, you know, thirty to fifty seaters. The doors on the aircraft are narrow, it will only take a high, narrow wheelchair. Well, life is never simple, so one day the guys on the ramp get this woman into her chair, and of course she is, uh, 300 pounds at least, isn't she? Well, they managed to transfer her at the bottom of the stairs from her chair into the airline's long, tall, narrow chair from which she is overflowing generously on both sides of the chair. And they have five steps, and they have to push and pull this chair to get the woman up onto the aircraft. One guy is positioned at the top of the stairs, the other at the bottom. They begin grunting and pushing and pulling, and the guy at the top suddenly says, hold her, hold her. She's slipping. I can't, I can't hold her up here. As she starts to slip, the guy at the bottom of the stairs reaches out in panic and grabs her by the lower legs. The ramp guys are kind of rough around the edges. Uh, but real gentlemen. And so at the bottom, the guy at the bottom grabs her legs and one of the legs comes off in his hands. There he is standing there with this leg in his hand and a look of total shock and surprise on his face. The buddy of the top of course stops laughing and he can't hold any longer. Somehow they managed to get her to the ground safely without dropping her. Don't ask me how they did it. And they started all over again. She of course is not at all uncomfortable about this and just puts the leg back on and starts again. <laughs> when... They retold this story at the lunchroom. We all laughed so hard we were rolling on the floor. And the poor fellow at the bottom kept saying, It was not funny. It was not funny. But every time he said it, we laughed even harder. My years at the airline have been delightful. And I wouldn't trade him for anything. So I'm talking bandits this episode, and was it about six months ago I did the story on Colton Harris Moore, the barefoot bandit, the kid, the gutsy kid. It was stealing airplanes. Well, if you guys follow the news, you know he got he got caught, but you know, got to give him credit, he outwitted the police for a couple of years, and uh, I had to admit I felt a little sad when he got caught. You know, <laughs> you know a gutsy kid and now you know they had him in police arrest i i felt bad i really did hopefully things will turn out for him and uh i did hear that fox is optioning uh a movie so hopefully our barefoot bandit colton harris moore will turn out okay So every once in a while, someone tells me this great story and stupid me does not have my recorder <laughs> and my microphone out. So I'm going to retell this story. i had actually heard the story from the three other flight attendants and I had never talked to the fourth flight attendant. Now I was flying with him and they were on this very scary flight. It was about a year ago and I believe they lost their rudder. They had an extreme problem with the aircraft after they took off and they were afraid they were going to have to like crash land and didn't want to have a full plane full of fuel because they'd just taken off from LA they were going to Kona so they had to circle over the ocean dumping fuel and everybody was very nervous about this right the female captain on this plane it was only like her second day as captain on that particular aircraft but to back up a minute The fourth flight attendant, this male flight attendant, he was working in the very aft galley. And before anything even happened, before they even started boarding the plane, he was in the galley, and we have these meal carriers in the back. They're metal meal carriers. They also hold, like, catering supplies. They're basically like metal boxes that latch into place so they won't come out. So each flight, they put a sticker on it. It says what's in it, what the flight number is. Or other times, they take a piece of tape and tape a piece of paper on it that says what's in it, what the flight number is. And so consequently, each day a sticker's put on and ripped off, a sticker's put on and ripped off, tape and paper is put on and ripped off. So you get like a bunch of mishmash of little pieces of paper and sticky stuff on there. And he said, plain as day, he could see the face of Jesus with the ripped off sticker on this meal carrier. And he even told the other flight attendants, he's like, I swear I can see the face of Jesus in this meal carrier back there. He's like, it's freaky. They didn't go back to look at it. You know, they had a board, all kind of stuff going on. And then they have this major flight incident. And that captain gets on and says, you know, we've lost our rudder. Uh, We cannot continue on to Hawaii, but we also can't land with a plane full of fuel. So we're going to circle and dump fuel. So now they've got, like, I think it was over 30 minutes of the passengers scared to death. The flight attendants were nervous, of course, except for this male flight attendant in the back. As he said, he was sitting on his jump seat. Looking straight at the face of Jesus. He said it was actually in the negative. Um, he said it was just amazing how clear as day it was, and he sat there the whole time, not worried at all. They landed, everything was all right. Everybody was so relieved the passengers, the flight attendants, the captain, everybody so happy. And this, uh, Everybody was saying how nervous they were. And then this male flight attendant in the back goes, I wasn't nervous at all. I was staring at the face of Jesus the whole time. And they're all like, well, we're going to go back there and see this face of Jesus on the meal carrier. They go to the back of the airplane, and it was gone. Even the male flight attendant who had been staring at it for, you know, half an hour said he couldn't see anything anymore. It was gone. And it was so strange. And he said since then, he's talked to a lot of people, and people have told him that when people see the face of Jesus in something or – of Mary or saints that it is in the negative. So I just thought it was such a nice inspirational Jesus story. I thought it was nice juxtaposition against some of the bandit stories I've done in this episode. <laughs> and I still like the title Jesus and the Bandits. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you've enjoyed our... Jesus and the Bandits episode, and I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Hope you're enjoying the rest of the summer. Bye. Another successful crashing. Next time I'll bring my camera so you can see what I'm seeing. (laughs) It really is fun. Try it sometime.